0: NBCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. NBC News Radio,
1: I'm Brian Shook. The COVID-19 Omicron variant is now being found in all 50 states. The variant was first detected 22 days ago after being discovered in South Africa less than a month ago. White House senior health advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci is urging people to take precautions.
2: We urge you to stay away from those situations that
0: could put you at a higher risk.
1: President Biden is citing progress in reducing supply chain bottlenecks. Speaking at the White House, Biden said packages are being delivered and store shelves are not empty. The president noted that gas prices are coming back down after peaking last month. Congress will launch an investigation into the Astro World concert that claimed the lives of 10 people. The House Oversight Committee hearing will focus on Live Nation's role in the planning and safety of the November event. The committee is requesting information from the entertainment company by early January. I'm Brian Shook.
3: Two two eight one. It's
4: time to make the Tri-City Center in Redlands a regular part of your weekly shopping experience.
3: Tri-City is home to a wide assortment of quality businesses, including the all-new Ocean Aquatics. Check out their variety of exotic tropical fish
4: along with fish food, accessories, and tanks of all shapes and sizes. The Tri-City
3: Center is located just off of Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Visit the Tri-City Center today and find out why it's called the Mall with a Heart.
2: Heart
1: Winery reminds listeners that another holiday season is right around the corner but for many, it may turn out to be a less than joyous one. Open your hearts to the less fortunate by dropping off a toy at one of the Toys for Joy drop-off points around town. This reminder from Hart Winery, serving the community since 1980. For one of Temecula Valley's oldest winery and wines of exceptional quality, call 951-676-6300 or visit HartFamilyWinery.com.
0: You can shop online for Yongevity at www.kcaateam.com or you can order by phone by calling 800-982-3197 and tell customer support that you are part of the KCAA team. Youngevity is an American company based in San Diego. Call Yongevity at 800-982-3197 and ask about monthly auto ship that allows you to buy Yongevity products at wholesale prices. That number again Renee Walker of Vila
4: Homes reminds drivers that with the holiday season upon us, our children are counting on your safe driving habits. When you get on the road, remember the three C's of safety, caution, courtesy, and common sense. Safe and sober driving is everyone's responsibility. This reminder from Renee Walker of Vila Homes, representing buyers and sellers all over the Inland Empire. Whether you're selling, buying, renting, or leasing, look to the experts with over 10 years of experience. Call 951-653-6872. That's 951-653-6872. Or visit ReneWalkerHomes.com, that's ReneWalkerHomes.com, that's Rene Walker of Vila Homes
0: on the air because they care.
3: This is
0: KCAA. Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, created and hosted by Scott Knudsen to explore the crossroads of horses and business. On today's show, Scott visits with Austin Anderson, a third generation world class entertainer and horsemanship expert. He's the producer of the Texas Trick Riders. Now here's your host, Scott Knutson.
4: Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Scott Knutson. Thank you so much for joining us today. Whether you're listening to us on KCAA, the NBC affiliate out in California, or if you're watching our podcast on one of our platforms, we really appreciate it. Today, we've got a very special show. We're going to have a lot of fun today talking trick riding, stunt riding, all kinds of great things. We have the producer, of the texas uh trick riding uh show and austin anderson is on the show austin thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule
2: hey scott hey i'm well i'm really honored to be on be on your show here
4: man we appreciate it. i've been looking forward to it man i love following you and seeing uh, what you're doing i love the website TexasTrickriders.com. i love the website your youtube videos are so great
2: um thank you thank you.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So man, how did you start in this deal? How did you start doing trick riding and moving around on horses and all?
2: Well, you know, it 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 was a family business. Uh my grandparents were performers. Uh they had a kind of a, a rodeo background and in a horse training background. And then of course my parents uh they had a a, a rodeo and circus background. And then they produced a show called the Texas white horse troop show that featured all snow white horses, the American whites that my family's known for. So they performed all over the country. Um, I just, you know, I just fell into it. I just stayed in it after high school. We had a lot of shows going on and, and I, uh, I just stayed working with my parents. And then of course, eventually I branched out on my own and, uh, and like 2004, uh, at the request of the Virginia State Fair, uh, I took the my smaller version of the show to the fair, kind of to augment the horse show. They weren't getting a lot of draw to that agricultural side of the fairgrounds, to the horse show ring. And that's what we were brought in for. And they coined us as the Texas Trick Riders. And so that's kind of how how we got we got started with the Texas Trick Rider show. But it's a family business. Three generations been doing it. And hopefully a fourth generation my wife's expecting in March. So
4: awesome. gonna carry
2: on the tradition. <laughs> yeah.
4: Congratulations, man. That's awesome, Thank you. Thank man. You. That really is. I love how the name just came so organically. You know, that's it awesome. just kind of fit.
2: It, it did because at the time I had, you know, everything was Texas white horse troop. And we, mm-hmm. you know, even though we had used, you know, quarter horses or whatever we, but we were primarily with the American whites. And when I went to Virginia, they kept asking me, what's the name of your show? And I was like, gee, oh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, I didn't really have a name. Yeah. So the lady, the fair manager there, um, uh she said well we're just going to coin you guys as the Texas Trick Riders and I said yeah sure that sounds good I was more focused and worried about other things like logistical things you know I've Absolutely. always been a logistical person that's the first thing that comes to my mind the show the entertainment that that comes natural it'll take care of itself I don't worry about what costume I'm wearing and what music I'm using I'm worrying about how are we going to get there what's the condition of the arena what's the stable setup you know all those things and I said yeah that sounds good Texas Trick Rider so it's stuck and we we I said hey I'm stealing the name
4: uh, I love it I love the name I love how it's family and western lifestyle with a Texas you know a Texas theme to it
2: It is. That's, yep, that's our goal is to promote the Western way of life um, with a little bit of Texas theme. Uh, You know how it is being from Texas uh, that you travel out of state. uh, Sometimes we don't push the Texas quite as 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 robustly as we normally would. But whenever we leave, they know we're from Texas for sure.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's so true. That's so true. So so this is an entrepreneur show, also a cowboy show. But being an entrepreneur, so that's your first show on your own. And you're an entrepreneur. So maybe someone's watching or listening today on KCAA. And they're, they're saying, how does he start his business? And this is your first event. And you have the show, but you don't even have the name. What was that feeling like? And how did you tackle that?
2: You know, honestly, it really wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like I was starting from the ground up, you know, it wasn't necessarily like a grassroots thing for me because I had been involved with the shows, my family had already performed at many, many big venues, you know, you perform it like the Calgary Stampede, the National Western in Denver, the Stock Show in Fort Worth. Those are all pretty big venues, plus all the horse expos and fairs. To me, it was just another fair, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really excited about it because at that point in time, the only time I had done those type of show dates were with my family. Uh, when I went out on my own, I did, you know, my individual acts like Roman riding or my whip act and I would perform at rodeos. So it was just me. But this was, yeah, this was my first time kind of with the whole enchilada. So but it was very exciting. I, I knew I, I had a really good crew. That's one thing I've always picked people that I feel like I can trust. Uh, mm-hmm. And I always have the show ironed out long before we get there. So there's not any. You know, well, I say that, but there's been a few times we've done some arena in the arena on the fly alter alterations. You find something that doesn't work. You got to change it real quick on the fly. But for the most part, no, it was it was I was looking forward to it. You know, I was right. like, I, I like, you know, attacked it like with a lot I of
4: I could tell, you know? <laughs> man, that's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's so awesome. So so speaking of your parents, um, since we're on that topic. So they got married on horseback, didn't they? is that what I read somewhere?
2: They did. They got married at a rodeo in Iowa, and they got married on horseback. The whole wedding party was, was mounted on horseback. Okay. And, uh, of course, the n- local newspaper came out, and they said, oh, it's just a publicity stunt. And it started to rain. And so a lot of people were thinking, oh, well, they're going to cancel this horseback wedding you know oh no it was on and the rain broke a little bit and they had the wedding um and so it's kind of a family tradition uh my sister and my brother-in-law jerry and stacy diaz they were married on horseback and then i said i told my wife i said really there's only one requirement when we get married it's going to be on horseback and on white horses there you go so we accomplished that too very
4: cool very cool man that's it so many people want to do it and you actually did that you know and and we we yeah. got married on horseback as well well my my wife was in the carriage pulled by horse i was on horseback so so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we had to get in the comfort zone you know and,
2: yeah that's all i we we've done we've done some carriage weddings dad's had some good driving teams and and it's always fun um <laughs> me and one of the other carriage drivers at a wedding one time we uh We were done. We brought the bride and the groom in and they were doing the ceremony. I don't know what, I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they were off taking photos, but me and the other carriage driver, we were kind of hanging around where the buffet was and we were thirsty and we, uh, we decided to dip into the punch bowl. Right. And uh, the wedding planner about had a fit. And she come over there yelling at us that you can't drink that. That's for the bride and groom. <laughs> and we, were, we were just dipping in. Uh, we were thirsty, you know. Yeah, we were man. just hanging out. <laughs> yeah. So so we kind of got in trouble.
1: Right? Man, I y'all were all...
4: just solving a problem is all you were doing. Yeah, we were
2: just taste testing it,
4: making yeah. sure it was you know, good. <laughs> Absolutely absolutely so let's talk with the white horses because they're absolutely beautiful i saw a bunch of them on your website you know once again that's that's uh texastrickriders.com on the website there's so many beautiful pictures of white horses Mm -hmm. so can you tell us a little bit about we mentioned a couple of times how that started
2: well the, the the breed originated back in like 1936 uh ruth and cal thompson had a uh uh, cattle ranch up in nebraska Napier, nebraska and um they were raising charlotte cattle and they wanted to raise a white horse cool. so so yeah they just you know and i don't even know you know how they figured out you know because there's always been white horses throughout history right there's a random white here and there and now they're finding out all kinds i won't get into all the genetics because man it's it's gotten crazy i don't know all that um stuff but if you have a good you know a dark eyed brown eyed white stallion chances are he will pass that gene on and they found a, a horse a stallion and they actually this is in the days before quarter horses right so they would breed to morgan mares. uh morgan's were the you know the stock horse of the day back then and so they got some white colts and then over time they would uh raise whites to whites and get the white so they had a pretty big pretty big herd going over 200 head
4: wow that is good
2: yeah and and that's kind of the foundation of the thompson whites now there have been a few other white breeds and registries throughout, you know, history, but, but the Thompson's had a really strong, strong breed going. And that's how my, that's the foundation of my parents' horses. They, they got married, Mm uh, in 1962 or 63, maybe, I think. And on their honeymoon, they went to Naper, Nebraska to pick out, uh, some white horses, uh, on the advice of my grandfather, my dad, Uh, asked him he said what would you do different my grandfather had trained some had had mules at the time he was training mules he had a rodeo company he gave that up and uh, uh he started traveling with his mule team his hitch and he said i would do if i started over again i'd get get me some white horses and a pretty girl So my dad says, well, I took his advice. I stole his (laughs) daughter. (laughs) I went to get these white horses. So they honeymooned at Napier, Nebraska, went up, picked up these horses. And, um, you know, some months later, I guess they were, uh, they were actually living in Illinois at the time. And so they, uh, they begin training and, and, and and they, they had two acts when they started, they had a Liberty act with six uh, horses in, in the circus ring. And they also did that act at rodeos too. And then my dad would Roman ride those same six horses. So they had two acts to offer to rodeos and mostly in the winter dates, they would go out and in the winter time. They'd play those winter dates or so shrine circus dates and, and stuff. But eventually um I believe the White Horse Ranch stopped touring, you know, back back then, you know, in the 30s, 40s and 50s, it wasn't common uncommon for these barns, these big stables to take a show team out. You would compete uh competitively, but then you would also have um uh an exhibition team. And the White Horse Ranch had kind of shut their exhibition team down I think probably around 62, 63. And in 1966 is when my parents took their first white horse troop show out and they had gathered in some more horses and they brought in girls to to ride the chariot race and Roman riding the Liberty horses, trick riding. They had a whole, the whole 90 minute, it was a grandstand show. You know, we, yeah, it it played mostly at the fairgrounds to start with Uh, back then. All the big fairgrounds in the Midwest, they all had grandstands. Nowadays, you go to a fairgrounds. They have a covered arena and that's great, but they don't have those old grandstands like they do in Iowa, Illinois, Ohio, Missouri, you know, Pennsylvania, all that. All those states, all those big states have uh, those big grandstands. So the grandstand attraction was a featured thing at those state fairs. So a little little different now than it was back then, but that's that's how they that's kind of how they got started. And um, they uh, they decided Illinois, just the weather and the conditions just wasn't, you know, it, you know again, they didn't have indoor arena and stuff back sure. then. So they moved, uh, they started to move south to look for a better climate, to train, you know, a little bit more year round. And that's how we ended up in Texas. 1968
5: is when they moved to Texas.
0: Wow. Scott will be right back with more from Austin Anderson.
5: Hi, I'm Scott Knutson, host of The Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Today, we're gonna to talk about something I'm really passionate about. Those that know me, know I love my coffee. Those that don't, now you know I do. And we've been working on this for several months and we, we wanted to get it just right. And we don't put our name on anything unless we feel 100% certain it's, it's the best product we can get. And uh, we, we've done it, I really believe we've done it. We've created a coffee line, 13 great flavors. I'm gonna show you three of them. We have K-Cups in all 13 flavors. Here's a Jamaican Me Crazy. It's just a really great coffee. Everyone has great logos. It has a brand, the same brand that's on our horses, our trailers, you know, that brand means something and we wouldn't put it on here if it wasn't good coffee. We have whole bean. This is a great Honduran blend and uh, it's a whole bean coffee. We have whole bean in all 13 flavors. And then we have a ground coffee. Uh, this is a really great one. My wife and I really like this a lot, loved it. So we named it after our daughter, Hayes Glenn. Everyone has the packaging and the logo of the show, our brand, and I hope you like it. I, I really believe you will, and we're going to have more flavors coming out soon. We're going to have the pumpkin spices, and then we're going to go to peppermint after that, and please send us your suggestions as well. You can find it at cowboyentrepreneur.shop. Think coffee shop, cowboyentrepreneur.shop thank you so much wow
4: that's a big show a 90 minute show that's a big show that's a really it, big show
2: it it is a lot it's it's it is a lot to produce yeah you know you think of you know my show is runs about 30 minutes mm-hmm. you know it's it's tailored to the fairs and theme parks that want a quicker turnover you know they don't want to tie their crowds up uh, as long right. but yeah, yeah 90 minutes is that's it was it was a well oiled machine Ooh,
4: that's a long show that's awesome man that, that yeah. you had to feel it man that's cuz watching your youtube videos you know that 30 minutes there's a lot of action going on in 30 minutes from the guns to the target shooting to the whips to the horse tricks you know there's there's a lot going on so maybe somebody that's watching the show for the first time or doesn't understand what roman riding is and liberty riding is would you mind just explaining those like, yeah,
2: so the so the Roman riding is kind of like a, kind of like a, maybe an iconic to my family. I mean, there's been a lot of families, a lot of great Roman riders over the years. I always enjoy watching the Roman riding. It's very visual. It doesn't need a lot of script or a lot of story. You're basically just standing up on a pair of horses, and from that pair of horses, you can ride two, you can ride them three abreast, four abreast. You can even drive the horses. In tandem, in front of you, I did. I did four. Uh, my sister and my dad both had tandem hitches with six. Wow. so like a stage coach you know they had the lead team the wheelers yeah. and then the, or the swing team and then they would stand on what would be the wheelers i always said i was too lazy to do six it's a lot of work <laughs> four was four was enough four was fun right. but that's basically roman riding standing up on two horses and it's been you know, I don't know. Roman writing dates way back, even mm-hmm. I think it even predates uh the Roman Empire. I think some people say that even like in Constantinople, they had the uh the, the Colosseums where they did original gladiator battles, they would Roman race there. Cool. So I, I don't know, but it it's it's an old, you it's know, a way it's back.
4: Worldwide.
2: yeah, it it's worldwide. You know, there's there's the Hungarians are known for doing Roman writing, they call it the post over there but they'll ride up they'll ride four horses and then they'll have four four and four and four I've seen them do 12 and 16 even 20 horses they just they just gallop in a big circle you know and it's just as fast
4: as they can go so impressive how impressive I think I saw some pictures of that on your website too
2: Mm -hmm.
4: yeah yeah what about Liberty so Liberty training and Liberty acts how you want to explain that
2: yeah so the liberty is pretty much where the horse is free or loose uh there's no lines connecting the horse no reins no rider and so liberty the interpretation of liberty can it, it it can have multiple interpretations so for me growing up liberty horses were that traditional circus uh type liberty where you're in a in a circus ring the circus ring is traditionally 44 foot uh circumference and the horses would work on the perimeter and then do the different maneuvers you know the walls the pairs the wheel and then of course rare hind leg walks and stuff like that and then in more recent years, you see a lot of people doing Liberty in the arena and they have, you know, the Liberty Contest where your horse is not being led, but he's right. there with you and they follow you and they go over the obstacles. And then, of course, there's television and film work. So where the horse is, you know, not next to the trainer, he has to be at a distance and has to do maneuvers. A lot of it's mark training, A to B, uh, coming from a start mark to a finish mark. Uh, either stopping doing a rare doing a doing a stunt uh, or leaving from from mark to another mark so there's multiple there's a lot of facets to liberty work and so i you know i kind of combined a little bit of what my dad had taught me from the circus Liberty. And as I got more and more involved in film work, I was using our horses, but then I was finding little things that, you know, if he just did this, it would make it handy on film. It's great in the ring, but I need him to like stop and stay away from me because I can't be in the shot. So then I started retraining my horses with, with film work in mind. Um, but also still the live show so I I, I have a couple horses that they'll work next to me. Uh, I prefer to ride a horse when I work my liberty act my wife does it uh, on foot and she has uh, two or three horses depending on you know who's being doing what in the show, sometimes she'll use two, sometimes she'll use the three uh, that she does it on foot. And when they circle her and they waltz and they come into her and they, they pedestal and do tricks and stuff. I like to add a lot of tricks to my Liberty work because at the (laughs) end of the day, once you watch a horse make a circle and change direction once or twice or, you know, too much rep- repetition gets to be old for an audience from an audience right. standpoint. So to move on and and and, and get into the tricks, it kind of helps
4: the act move along a little quicker. Man, that's awesome. So I, I read you have your sag court and, and so how did you transition from, you know, not transition because you do it all, you know, but from like the arenas and such to go into a movie and a TV setting? It, it seems like to me it would be a totally different maneuver like you're saying you can't be in the shot so how do you do that with a horse and then come back and do your show on tour when you're in the with the horse
2: yeah it it was i got started in the film business back like in 1993 and i i I learned a lot. (laughs) You know know exactly what I mean. Yeah, enough said. Yeah, I got you.
4: Prior to
2: that, you know, I would run around and do the gunfights in in the shows, the Wild West shows, and I thought, man, it'd be fun to be a stuntman. Until you're actually on set, you really don't have a, a real idea of what it's actually like. And so that first film that I I got my SAG card on. Uh, was a really good learning experience. I worked with some great people. They were very patient. They were very professional in their business. The stunt coordinator I worked for, I'm very proud to, to say uh, I got my SAG card working for a man named Dave Cass. He He's passed on now, but he was literally a legend in the business. And I'm very honored to say that's how I got my sidecar doing Saddle Falls for him. So a, funny, so a funny story about that real quick. Um, my first night, Saddle Fall, and I was doubling a guy. Gary Grubbs was the actor. I was doubling. And we were chasing through a river. And it kind of comes to a head. And they they face off. And there's a gun battle. And... Guy gets shot in the water and I do it. And the only thing Dave said, he said, was just make sure you hang on to your gun because you've you've got a rubber gun, so we don't want it floating. And I said, yeah, okay, I'm cool. So I get up there and I'm all ready. And and here comes my cue that, you know, the shot from the the stunt coordinator to give me my cue to fall. Man, I throw myself off that horse big and I just hit in the water and I'm just laying there floating, thinking this is the coolest thing in the world. (laughs) So, So a few weeks later, we we are now chasing a wagon train and a bunch of us are dressed up like Cheyenne dog soldiers and the wagon train is going to circle around and, you know, there's going to be a volley of gunfire. So there's about five or six of us stunt guys lined up and on action, we are to just do a straight ride by. It's maybe, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 yards, just, just take off and 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 again we're going to have a gunshot off from off camera as a cue and we all take a fall. And so Dave uh comes up to me and he he says he says now listen Austin he says we're on we're on the ground now. He said this isn't going to be like falling off in the water. And I said I'm I'm good. I'm I'm I I've, I've got this. I'm I I all my life I, <laughs> I'm ready for this. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was very eye-opening because the horse I picked apparently was a former racehorse. Uh, mm-hmm. and he was a flying. And I hit that ground and I bet I slid probably 20 feet, and most of it probably on my face. <laughs> but I learned right right then and there what it what it really meant to be. But getting back more to your original question, now it's the It's just, yeah, it was, it was my sister said, Oh man, all you guys got banged up. Your faces were, you know, bloody and your noses, you know, and everything. Um, But getting back to your kind of your original question, which was working horses on a set versus a live show. Yeah. It is quite a bit different. Um, You need a horse. I personally like for my horses to be really quiet on set. I don't like them fidgeting. I know that sometimes, you know, there's there's a lot of uh distractions on on set and then there's also a lot of places a horse you know horse can take it if he steps three feet to the left he's stepping on a cable or he's stepping on a box or something so you, you know there's a lot of dangerous things on can be on on a set and so it's it was a challenge, but I just had to figure it out real quick. One of the things that helped me again from that first film experience was when I wasn't doing stunt work, uh, the boss wrangler got me a job as a stand-in, and I thought, well, what? I want to be a stuntman. You know, he said, trust <laughs> me. He said, trust me. He said, we want you to stay on. We don't want you to, you know. He wanted to keep me working throughout, so doing that standing work, well, I got to learn a little bit about shot setups and cameras and 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 how they do it. so I'd always kind of like look through the camera lens and just see what the camera was seeing, so that kind of helped me and then learning a little bit about the lenses um are they are they long are they short? are they wide? you know lets me know how how far I can be from my horse when we're setting up a shot. Very um, cool. You know, so so it's just it's just you know, if you're if you study something and you're a student of the game, you know, you will learn. And and I I I enjoy it. I, I enjoy the setup and the logistics that go behind it. And then of course the reward is when your horse nails the shot. Oh, absolutely. You, know, you walk around on set, you're like, Yeah, yeah, you know, that's another <laughs> day at the office, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if he doesn't do do good, then you're kind of like, man, let's go load him up and sit in the truck and hide out. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> but we've, we've had some, we've had, you know, you, you're, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. You know, absolutely.
4: So, you absolutely. Know, through,
2: through failures, you find, uh, you learn more through failures than you do successes.
4: Absolutely. That's the only way you learn. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I can see, I can see how both would help in either one, because when you're on a live show you're in charge of that ring when you're on a set you got so many other things going on it's kind of hard to step back a little bit and let everything play out till it's your turn isn't it it
2: it 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 is because you, you yeah you're right a lot of things are out of your control and you've got to try to get in the first ear right away so he can kind of help you out and and i don't know whether it does any good or not because i'm like you know if you just put the horse here and let me be right here. We could do this real easy. But then maybe they want you to flip. Maybe you're on the right side of the horse. I had a I had a horse trained to rear from the front. and uh, Or he would probably rear from the left, being that we worked the horses. You know, we would get on and off the near side of the horse. I thought I could maybe cheat it a little bit. Come set up time, where they wanted this horse to rear the bar, the roof of the barn, the pitch was too low. So we had, he, the director, it was Denzel Washington was the director and he goes, that's no problem. He said, we'll just do it on the other side. It'll read the same on on camera. And I said, yeah, it might read the same on camera, but now you've put me on the right side of this horse for for, for the cue. I have to put the whip in the air from the cue. Now I was thinking I could do it on the left, in the front left, but now I'm over here completely on the right. So what we ended up doing was, it was so tight in there and he just wasn't taking the cue. And I said, man, I gotta be in front of this horse. So they got this, this young actor laying there in the shot. And I literally had to like stand over him cause they were looking low at him and seeing the horse right,
3: right
2: so i was literally standing over the top of the actor so that i could be in at least the eye eye line of the horse that would give him the cue we we made it work and when the film came out i was like huh that looked great i was, I was like, <laughs> you know, because they had pushed in so tight i mean i could have just taught the horse how to say yes and no and it probably would have worked because they were pushed in so tight So all that stress, you know, for nothing, but it was, it was over.
4: But it says a lot It worked, you know, and it says a Mm -hmm. lot about you that like someone like Denzel Washington and the actor laying on the ground and they all trust you to stand over the actor while the horse is rearing. That's a lot going on.
2: Right. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I mean, that's, you know, people, people, you know, that's, that's your job on the film set. You know, you, 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 you know, you will take your lumps once in a while, but when you show up, you're expected to, you know, you're expected to have all the expected abilities. And that's, you
4: know, (laughs) that's awesome. What a great story.
0: Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Scott will be right back with Austin Anderson. For more information on Scott Knudson, the Cowboy Entrepreneur, visit us online at cowboyentrepreneur.com.
4: So when you're picking your horses for your shows, Um, What are you looking for? Are you looking for a certain age when you go out and look for them or a certain experience level or a certain breed?
2: Yeah, we, we, I personally prefer horses that we raise ourselves. Uh And
4: because I know that
2: as you know, young horses, the handling that they have actually had, it doesn't always guarantee success, but, but, you know, uh, in general, that's what I prefer, but yeah, we, we've gone out and bought horses. And, you know, if you got a good quiet minded horse, um, a good, good all around using horse. I find that if a horse that has too much training, uh, you know, it might not work out for what we, what we need. We need a good handle, but we don't need them to have a super fancy handle. You know, I don't need the horse. I need the horse most of the time, especially for trick riding and Roman riding moving forward. So I don't definitely don't need them behind the bit. That's, that's tough when they, when they're like that, um don't really want them running off either but you kind of want them pushing you want a forward moving horse a brave horse obviously um th- those things so yeah there are a lot of characteristics build you know I I, I like I like taller uh, longer strided horses they tend to be easier and smoother gated you know
4: very cool Very cool. So you, you raise them there yourself. Do y'all imprint your foals or you just kind of let them be horses for a little while, or what's a process to get them from that level to being in a show?
2: Yeah. uh, Sometimes we imprint them and Uh then sometimes they uh, get turned out for a while Uh and don't get touched. And, you know, it all comes down to that. each individual horse is different. I mean, I've had, I've had some that we thought, we're going to be great because they're like a lap dog. They're like a pet. But then next thing you know, they don't really want to work when you ask them to. So yeah. now you've got yeah. this problem. And then I've had some that you you, you practically got to be a a, a a super puncher to catch them in the box <laughs> and, yeah. and get them into the pen. And then they turn out to be the best horses ever. So it's it's kind of like it's, I don't really, I can't yeah. really sit here. I'd be lying if I said I have a formula. I just, yeah. each
4: individual horse we approach a little differently. Absolutely. Different. Each one's different. You know, it's hard just to yeah. have one system yeah. for each one because it, it really makes it tough. You know, we imprint a lot, as many as we can, but then there's some, you can just, they, they turn out different but I love the fact you said you want to use a horse because that made me smile. Cause that's our favorite ones on the ranch. It's just, you get on and do something with them, you know? Yeah, and, that,
2: that, that, that's it. I mean, some of my best horses, you know, I had a pair of pair of quarter horses that were bought. Um, we, 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 we crewed up the Dixie stampede uh, back in 1988. So we were buying a bunch of quarter horses. We needed Brown horses and sorrels and, for the for the show, we had thirty two head of horses, so it couldn't be all white horses for that deal. Right. So at the end of our our run there with the Dixie Stampede, we kept a couple horses. Dad said, "I'm going to let you and your sister keep these two uh, two chestnut horses, and you could cowboy around on them because we we would go to another pasture and gather horses. It was kind of fun, like pretending yeah. to be cowboys, absolutely these horses." you know, on these different pastures. And uh, well, anyway, over time, you know, in the winter we get bored, we're hanging out. I got these two horses, Roman riding. And then next thing you know, like a year later we're trick riding on them and they become really good horses. But the one the one horse in particular, he was a young horse when we bought him. And uh, he, boy, he loved to buck. He come off a ranch uh, right here near, near us. And, and he loved to buck. But um, he also got used, and I—I I think I forget we did like 260 something shows that first year at the Dixie Stampede, and then when I came home, I—I uh, I took a job on on another ranch nearby, and I used that horse, and so he got used hard, like just—I mean, it was just every day, every day, every day. And he turned out to be a really good horse. I mean, like I could Roman ride and trick ride on him. I could shoot guns, pop the whips. I took him to movie sets, used him on movie sets. We would come up with these, some of these horse shows uh, and expos. When I say horse shows, I probably mean like horse expos like Equine Affair, Mm -hmm. uh, the World Horse Expo, those things. We don't show horses for like what most people traditionally think. sometimes they would come up what do you got what do you got that's new so we would create these themed acts and we did you know i had some buddies that were stuntmen and they kind of they were you know in and out of live entertainment we come up with a zorro themed stunt show we had a jousting stunt show and we would use these horses for all that stuff because they were just
4: good using horses it's awesome that's, That's awesome. those are you points. never know, right? you never yeah, know you never know. goodness gracious so so we talk logistics so this is so it for me, I understand what you're saying, but not even on your level because I didn't take a whole group to do a show. you know it's me and some horses and we're going to compete or something or going mm-hmm. to the ranch. Um, what's the logistics behind a show you know because you go from Texas to Canada? how do you plan that because you're doing everything from costumes to you set your show and then you head out
2: yeah pretty much um so yeah the logistics behind that is i would probably look for my crew and depending on who's available i will build a show around that our texas trick rider show pretty much has a, a a core group of acts it's roman writing trick writing uh trick roping uh and then and then the bullwhip act and then we've added in like the liberty trick horses and sometimes trick shooting depending on where we're at texas were great to shoot uh canada not so great to to take guns you know right, right. but the logistics of stuff like that is first and foremost is putting the crew together <clears throat> and then yeah i i put the music together I, I try to keep it simple. I mean, it's a, it's it's basically a variety show with a Western theme. The variety type show is is fairly easy. I mean, I, I, I've been doing it for a long time. I think a lot of people where they miss is putting a presentation together. They, they don't have the experience and they kind of have maybe they don't know what music goes with it, what wardrobe. And they don't know where that act fits in the lineup. You know, so we've done some different lineups uh and i've done it long enough that i know what lines up what's going to follow it and what's going to follow that will actually work for us from wow. both the logistic standpoint and an aesthetic standpoint but yeah the trout you know the travel you get you get the get the crew together you know putting the music and stuff in the script that's all fairly easy we kind of do a lot of uh most of the announcing in-house now. I have a fellow that trick ropes for me and he he's also, he co-announces with me. Um, I, I started announcing my shows just kind of, I took a contract at the stockyards doing the Pawnee Bill Wild West show. We were there for 10 years. And when I was negotiating my money, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mr. Hub Baker, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if anybody knows Hub, they know <laughs> they know uh, what I'm talking about. Him and I actually too, by the way. That was a handshake deal, never a contract. Very cool. As I was there, very. Yeah, cool. so it was very cool. But him and I were dickering, I guess you might say, about the money, and we were three hundred dollars off of the money. And he said, "Well, I've got to pay the announcer to come in." And, early on Saturdays, you know, he'd come for the rodeo and announce the rodeo, but our shows were Saturdays and Sundays there. And he, and I said, well, I can announce the show. He says, you can. And I said, yeah, it'll be great fun. I'm going to be playing the star of the show, Pawnee Bill. I'll be doing the the, the Roman, ride. I'll be interactive character. Plus I'll be hosting the show. Have you ever had that? And he goes, no, sounds good to me. So now I have to learn to announce. <laughs> 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 so so I, I I did, and again, that first year, you know, the one thing I learned, uh, less is more sometimes, because I, I had a lot of knowledge and information, and getting that out was really hard, so people don't need to know every little minute detail about what the trick roper's doing, and you know, wow. so it, it, I learned a lot, I enjoyed it, so. Yeah, it, it, but yeah, but again, your logistics question about traveling, yeah, that, and then making sure you got your paperwork on your horses, health papers, what's required. That I've got a couple of r- really good veterinarian offices that work for me. They, they, I'm sure they, I'm sure they roll their eyes when I call. <laughs> it's often, I wonder what he wants today because yeah, you know, could yeah. be anything, you know, but they're awesome. really good and it makes my job a lot easier um they with their help and they're really great great people so yeah getting your health paid and then mapping out your trip you know I like to travel you know 10 or 12 hours and then try to find a place to offload the horses and rest them they rest they, they travel better you know I don't like to throw my horses on and go 20 hours you no, know it's no. just it's hard on them and you know, a lot of times we don't have two or three drivers to switch off. You know, we got two or three trucks and well, we got three drivers and three trucks. So, you know, so, yeah, mapping out the trip and, you know, going to Canada, I always tried to find a place to overnight close to the border so that we could hit the border. And then hopefully all our paperwork was in a row and we wouldn't be hung up at the border for very long. And I don't think we ever have been hung up at the border very long, but, but even in traveling in the States, same thing, you know, if the show starts on, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would probably want to arrive like Wednesday night or something. And so making those arrangements where you can be, you know, where you you can land at your spot, um, you know, and, and get everybody, get everything in. And
4: that's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. I, I, the logistics, like you say, that's the funnest part because you're really laying your strategy for the perfect show. You know.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it is. Yeah. That's and that's another thing. Yeah. When you, when I'm out there, when I'm like going through the logistics, even when I'm riding in the arena, I'm imagining that performance or a performance. You know, I'm I'm going through it in my head. I'm thinking, oh, hey, this horse is working really good on this maybe something else he's not quite working so good at so when i get to the show i I know maybe he's got weak points strong points you know but yeah yeah the logistics kind of is like the yeah you're right it 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 sets you up for that you know it's not just like you rock up onto the show and it's like oh yeah but i got to do a show now no i've been thinking about this for literally weeks and months and you know
4: beyond so yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah that's that's so cool so so for someone that's never hauled a horse or even even planned a trip like this um what what's a story from the road that you can share like a fun story that maybe somebody's never been there i know there's a ton but if you had to pick one
0: well we
2: had we had uh we were on tour one time and we had a group of uh guys we brought with us they were gunfighters so dad dad you know dad dad had a big old show with like five semis at one time but after wow. the 1980s we kind of paired things down a little bit so we had a couple mm-hmm. semi rigs he had one i had one and we had a couple travel trailers so we kind of paired things down and we changed things up in the show so one this one particular season we were touring around i i, I don't I think we were on the east coast but we had picked up some guys to do the uh some gunfights in the show and then do other things and and we had and they weren't horsemen at all but but they you know they were helpful they you know they helped set up things and and everything and this one fellow we got I don't know what happened uh dad had had an arrangement for us to stay over at a fairgrounds and it fell through and we had to make a plan B and plan B ended up us pulling in about one o'clock in the morning. And this fella, uh, great guy, but it's just, he just was not a road, road, he wasn't a cowboy. He was, you know, he was an actor who, you know, he 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 thought it was bedtime when we pulled in <laughs> and it was, <laughs> and it was we said no we're we're gonna unload the horses. they can't stay on the trailer and that that group we we picketed our horses on the we tied them to the side of the trailer uh on those shows, and we used to have an awning that would cover'. Them. We didn't set the awning up for the overnight stay, but we put the horses all tied out on the trailers. And then they had to be hay and water and the water was, it was quite a ways off. So everybody's got a bucket, you know, always is a five gallon bucket <laughs> carrying it up the hill to the horses and he was grumbling the whole time. And, and I don't know, my dad, he kind of had a way with, you know, telling people to buck up and shut up or, or, you know, a lot nicer than me. I probably would have just clapped, <laughs> squared up with him and said, "Look, don't be a wolf. Yeah. But he, he, yeah, it was that. That was funny. He thought it was literally. We parked. We shut the trucks off. He thought it was bedtime. <laughs> We're out there rolling the ramp down off the semi, and you know, I'm getting buckets out. You know, it's like a, you know, it's it's kind of like I I have a background too with the circus. So when you watch a circus, the old tent shows everybody had a job and like to move those shows everybody has to jump in somebody has to you know it, it it's a well-oiled machine mm-hmm. and so the same thing with us when you're traveling with you know we would travel anywhere with 20 to 30 head of horses on on our shows and so everybody had to pitch in you know it was you know not like showing up and putting your horse in the stall and, right. and got his blanket and his bucket and his you know all that it's it's when you got a herd of horses you've got to really be um logistically uh proficient i guess is what That's i can order
4: yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of neat man hearing how the circus and your, your shows you know in your arena shows and your stadium shows and the movies they all kind of come together you know and it all yeah it,
2: yeah i you know yeah if people ask me how would you get in this and how'd you get in that and i'm like man it was just a byproduct of Mm-hmm. growing up and, and being there and you know sometimes opportunity you know you, you you know you have an opportunity and you say hey you know that you know if I walk through that door now I'm now I'm working in the film business you know I could right. have said oh no you know I don't know I don't know anything about movie business you know I don't want to do that but the call came and there was an opportunity for us to kind of come in and hang out and meet some people which is rare you know but a connection we'd made out in Del Mar, California, uh, he was working on this uh, uh, show uh, down in San Antonio. And we had done some television commercial work locally in Dallas and that up, up to that point. But yeah, he called and said, Hey, we're down here filming a, a, a mini series called North and South. And he said, you, sh- you and your sister should come hang out. And I was like, Yeah, it'd be cool. We'll go down for a couple days, you know, whatever, you know. Well, he introduced us to, <laughs> and next next thing you know, she's doubling the lead actress. I got a job, you know, as, as a writer and then eventually doing stunts. So taking advantage of those opportunities.
4: Well, that, that was going to be one of my questions, just some advice for somebody that wants to even start what you started and, and how to it, whether what business are in. It doesn't really matter, but I love that answer. Just taking advantage of the opportunities.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is America and, you know, we've been yep. afforded some pretty good opportunities by Absolutely. some people who made some really darn hard sacrifices. And, Absolutely. you know, I think there's a lot of good people out there by far and away more more than than there's not. You know, I I, I think what we see on TV is as a small faction. Of, mm-hmm. of of people versus what america actually is as a whole so yeah being 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 smart enough to take advantage of the opportunities you know um and then and then having the work ethic to follow through with it you right. know i you know i grew up doing this and there's 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 obviously a barn there there's there's saddles out there there's an arena out here but at the end of the day, I still had to go get on that horse and put the hours in, you know, to, 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 to trick ride and roam and ride and practice. You know, nobody can do that for you. You, right. you know, you have to have that work ethic.
4: Wow, that's so, great. That's great. So so when you're learning to trick or when you trick ride and you're learning a new trick or something like that to put in the show, what's harder? Is that harder or is it harder to maybe learn something new with a bullwhip or is it harder to use the gun on targets while you're riding a horse because all three are difficult in their own way
2: <laughs> yeah i mean the 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 whips i started doing those when i was young and and i i i have a pretty good routine and i kind of stick with it i'll vary it for a little bit the whips are kind of easy that's that's my kind of my easiest thing uh, i grew up roman riding And so to me, Roman riding, uh, you know, the main, the main thing is having good horses Mm -hmm. and if you have a good set of horses that you have confidence in, that makes all the difference in the world, right? The, the trick riding is by far and away, probably the most difficult and most dangerous. I mean, you've got so many moving parts. Um, and you know, I, I got a love hate relationship with trick riding. you know, there was (laughs) there. There was times when I was like, you know, oh, that's it, I'm done, you know, and then, and then the next day I'd be out there with my horse saddled up just doing it. And I'm like, why am I out here, you know, but you, you know, I worked through some, some difficulties and, you know, I got into competitive trick riding late in life I, in um, 2007, uh, well, 2005, actually, I went to a competition and I learned a lot because <laughs> I, I took it all for granted. You know, trick riding was like the last thing I did in my dad's show. You know, I, I had done the whips, I'd Roman road, I did the gunfight, I'd whatever else I was doing. I'd run over and jump on my trick riding horse and kind of just be a filler for my sister, who was actually a really gr- good, good trick rider. And so I went to this competition and I got I got it handed to me big time, and I was like, wow, you know, man, you know? So, <laughs> but I listened, uh, Tad Griffith uh, of the Griffith family out of California, he's a stunt man and in, 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 uh, first family of trick riding right there. Uh, I listened to all the things he said, not only to me, but to other trick riders. Mm-hmm. And so I put them together. I actually got another horse, an old stunt horse. He was a fallen horse that I had gotten from a friend and I said, well, I'll just start trick riding on him. And I did, and he was a little bit bigger horse, a little stouter, a little faster. Uh, him and I just kind of, we just jived a little bit better and I, 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 I prepared and I learned what it meant to be prepared. I started training literally months away, not, not just a couple weeks, a couple practices a week, but I started practicing. I committed to going back to that competition and, and doing better. And I got reserve champion that year, um, so awesome. I felt pretty good because the guy that won it, much deserved. He was a guy that trick rode with us for like seven or eight years. Guy could guy could do like forty tricks. I mean, he was phenomenal. Um, but that 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 kind of set it all in my in my perspective, and 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 it, the the training and the preparation, and then having the confidence. Those are the those are the things that that are most important, prepared and having confidence.
4: So what's your first trick you've ever done? First trick you ever learned on a horse?
2: You know, I kind of went to like a little trick riding boot camp because my sister had been trick riding for a while. And a guy that had been coaching with her and working with her uh, had us up to his place in Tennessee. And we spent a week up there. And so he taught me about four or five tricks uh he taught me how to do double balls cartwheels uh reverse croopers, um i i a couple other tricks and we came home and we started practicing every every day we were out there practicing 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 you know and um the, the you know and I, I i pretty much like i said i did that in the show uh for years and until i started competing though it it really came into focus what it really take takes to be a top level trick rider practice and i stayed in it i stayed in it quite a while longer than most people too and unfortunately because uh after that 2007 competition the, the that venue and that event went away so there was no more trick riding competitions for a mm. long time and in 2015 uh, I got a call from a fellow said he's going to put on a trick riding contest. And I thought, Oh boy. here we <laughs> go. And I said, you know, I'm kind of like getting excited, you know, because yeah. I'm still trick riding even though I'm up getting up to in age. So the first thing I asked him, I said, well, who's judging this thing because I wanted to know about the integrity of the contest. And I, 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 I knew who was judging it and it all checked out. So I called some trick riders promoted the thing. We had a great, uh, we had a great competition we had i think about 16 riders showed up wow. and I, I was able to win a gold buckle at that one awesome so i i just said hey i i, I paid off caa
0: loma linda 10 50 am one hundred six point five fm and now 102.3 fm